everyone, and thank you for tuning into the Becker's Healthcare Podcast Series. I'm Erica Spicer-Mason, a writer and editor with Becker's. Joining us today on the podcast is John Mason, the president of Tempo Technology Services, who has nearly three decades of experience in leadership and technology. With a track record of delivering innovative, tech-enabled solutions in both rural and integrated healthcare networks, John's expertise has been instrumental in reshaping the health IT landscape, fostering collaboration, and driving positive change in the industry. And we also have with us Ovation Healthcare's Chief Transformation Officer, Hank Hickspors, who has an extensive IT background and deep understanding of the healthcare technology landscape. Hank's expertise of delivering groundbreaking products and driving successful digital transformations highlights his ability to lead the way in leveraging tech for the future of healthcare. So Hank and John, with that, I'd like to welcome you and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Erica. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks, Erica. Looking forward to our conversation. Oh, likewise. Thank you both. And I wanted to just kind of start our conversation right off the bat by just saying congrats on the recent announcement that Ovation Healthcare has launched Tempo Technology Services. Um, so John, I wanted to kick this over to you first. Can you just give us an overview of this latest offering and also, what's unique about this approach and maybe even what's exciting you too? Sure. Um, well, first of all, thank you again, Erica. It's great to great to be on here today, and we really uh, look forward to the conversation. You know, we're, we're really excited about Tempo Technology Services. Uh, Ovation recently launched that line of business within Ovation. And uh, what we really are is the, uh, think of us as a full IT managed services organization that can support the client base of Ovation. Uh, Ovation is a, is a large organization, supports more than 300 hospitals across the country, varying from rural and community hospitals up to large uh, multi-hospital networks. And so uh, what, what we offer basically is the full service, uh, managed service that you would look for from technology. And that goes from uh, network and infrastructure to application to support, um, service management and service desk uh, and to implementations and hardware deployment. So uh, we're really a full full service uh, organization. I think what's uh, to your question about what's unique, what, what's really unique about this is I believe this is probably one of the first times it's an organization that's formed by operators. Um, you know, myself have been um, a CIO in large health systems uh, and also worked as a CIO in more in the rural healthcare space. Um, but everyone on the team really comes from an operator space. We come from a background of being in the hospital, doing the work, and taking what we've built to deliver. Uh, we're not just a, a formed company of a bunch of different uh, consultants and people like that. Um, so I think that really makes us unique, uh, being operator built. So we have a we have a good sense for uh, for what CIOs and what the leaders in organizations are facing from a technology perspective. Absolutely. I think nothing beats that on the ground experience or the operator experience you were just speaking to. Um, so thank you so much for, for sharing a bit more about that development and everything that's going on at Ovation. It's really exciting. And so I know that hospital and health system operations right now are under pretty intense scrutiny as the healthcare C-suite is striving for you know better efficiency, but also managing tight budgets. And of course, a workforce that is um, very shorthanded. So 
John, what are you seeing as the top solutions for hospital executives? And I'd love to hear Hank's take as well. Sure. Yeah, and I think Hank's got some some great input on that. But I'll start with, um, you know, you're exactly right. We're we're facing uh, a period in time where there's a lot of scrutiny on spend. You know, we've gone through a number of years of of growth in the EHR, the electronic health record space, the deployment of various technologies, but uh, but we're definitely starting to see uh, a bit of a retraction and focus, heavy, intense focus on the IT spend. And, and this is coming not only from the CIOs, but it's coming from all of the C-suites, right? Because margins are strained no matter where you are uh, between contract labor and all the other costs that go into delivery of healthcare. Um, and so one of the one of the things that I think as, as I think about your question, one of the one of the things that we're starting to see is a, a very much a return back to what I would call the blocking and tackling the fundamentals, right? There's a definite need to help the facilities, help the hospitals go back and look at their spend, uh, look at the contracts, make sure that they're getting from the spend that they've already committed to, they're getting what they re- wanted to realize out of it. As you can imagine, there over the years, there's any number of contracts and and technologies that get implemented, but they never really come to fruition, right? They you never get the full benefit that you thought you would get, and in some cases, you get locked into pretty long-term uh, relationships that that end up actually costing you way more money than you anticipated. So, so one of the things I think is as as you look at the fundamentals, the the cost savings and the blocking and tackling, that's one of the areas where we're really trying to help organizations go back and take a look at, um, whether that be, um, do you understand your technology refresh cycle? Are you getting the best deal that you can get to get through that process? Are you fully leveraging all of the tools and technologies that you have? And have you gotten the best deal on the contracts you're in? Um, and I think, frankly, for a lot of um, CIOs across the country, that is probably something they're facing day to day is, some scrutiny on that spend. So I think that is really important. But what I would say is I think Hank's got some thoughts around what uh, what else could you be doing uh, to help improve that and work around that tight budget? Yeah, just to address what John's mentioning around the fundamentals and you know what technologies we're, we're trying to leverage to increase efficiencies and basically do more with less. And that's the fundamentals that John's been talking about. Some of the technologies we're using, there's three that I want to talk about. One of them is automation. So we're using automation to eliminate and speed up manual error-prone processes. We're leveraging tools like RPAs, remote process automation, for quick automation of repetitive and rule-based tasks. And we're leveraging this in our claims processing, our data entry, data verifications, invoicing, you know, many different areas, and we're trying to leverage this technology to to basically address the fundamentals that John is talking about, spend and, and accuracy and efficiencies. The second, uh, the second thing that we leverage a lot at Ovation is uh, focus on, on, on data, data everywhere, right? So we're, we're using data to measure, report, improve both externally and internally. And like the old cliche says, if you cannot, you, you cannot fix it if you can't measure it. So we're trying to measure everything that we can, and we're trying to do competitive comparative analysis between our clients, you know, and trying to address, you know, spend and accuracy. 
And the third thing, you, you know, and I'm trying to avoid jumping on the bandwagon, uh, the marketing bandwagon, but we're trying to leverage AI and machine learning uh, technologies to bring, to increase uh, efficiencies and to do more with less. And we, we view AI and machine learning as a tool. It's not a, it's not a technology that just, you know, you, you have it and it, it, it's a be all, you know, for everything. We're trying to leverage it as a tool and we're leveraging it in multiple areas like Red, Red cycle services to assist our medical coding. We're doing data normalization process processes with machine learnings to significantly increase our client integration speed. We're also exploring AI and machine learning offerings from some of our major vendors with a variety of things like contracting, predictive EMR conformance, data insights. So those are the technologies we're currently using to, um, to, to try to address the fundamentals that John was talking about previously. Yeah, thanks so much, Hank. Everything that you just mentioned from automation to analysis for managing spend and accuracy, leveraging AI and machine learning, all of that really aligns with what we're hearing from our audience at Becker's and what we know to be true for many executives right now. So really appreciate you summarizing that for us. And I know as hospital and health system leaders really are prioritizing and investing in the type of technology we just talked about, um, of course, there's also this element of wanting to ensure that the new technology is safe and will keep patient information safe, can help to ward off cyber attacks. So I'm wondering if you can also share some examples of what you and the team at Tempo, John, are seeing in the market that support this kind of forward progression of tech adoption. And what impact do you think this will have on patient care outcomes or other measures? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, clearly, just as, as Hank just said, you know, we you talk about some of the 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 again the fundamentals, right? The RPA, the automation, some of the things that uh, that we can put in place to help remove some of the repetitive tasks. But then themselves in the technology, you know, one of the one of the great fears uh, that you just hit on was if we're going to deploy technology, aren't we more and more at risk uh, for a cyber attack? Aren't we more and more risk for losing patient data? And and there's really two parts to that, right? One is you want to push technology that makes adoption easy, but that protects what you do deploy. And I'll, I'll give you a quick example of that. Um, you know, as as we've gone through health systems and deployed hardware, um, hardware is always naturally something that people get worried about, but uh, there are technologies. Uh, HP happens to have one called SureClick that um, it actually allows you to create kind of a virtual environment on each desktop, to, to put it in simple terms, that protects that particular piece of hardware, say an end user's laptop. If they do get infected, it immediately collapses that laptop and stops the proliferation of, of security issues. So while it itself is not a technology that drives patient care, what it does is allows you to deploy other technologies and feel more confident that if you do put it out there, it's not at risk, right? So you're not necessarily risking the proliferation of, of PHI uh, because you know that you've started to protect it at a very close level. Um, secondly, one of the things that we're starting to see, and, I, and, and Hank may have some other insights on this, is um, a lot of deployment of technology around efficient usage of your equipment. Um, so, for example, you know, you deploy in a large health system, let's say 15,000 end-user devices, computers that people are using, 
And the folks using it uh, have an expectation of its efficiency and its availability and how well it works. Um, we have some tools that we can deploy that can actually proactively tell us before somebody reports an issue, if it's got issues. Um, again, not necessarily uh, a new clinical application, but what it does is it makes sure that the tools they have in place are working as they expect it. And if, for example, a physician computer has a, a, a dictation microphone hooked to it, we can tell ahead of time whether or not it had the actual software it needs to run that dictation device, and we can go make sure that happens proactively so they never have to call in a ticket. Not necessarily as exciting as some things, but what that does is it makes sure that uh, what you are investing in, you're getting improvements, uh, you're seeing the benefits and and the ultimately the care that's being provided because of those because of that technology is better uh, because we're in front of it. I would add that like, you know, um, being hop uh, hospital operators, we, we know what physicians, we know what, you know, the care, what people need in a care continuum. And, and that has a huge impact on how we do, how we do our business. For instance, being proactive and knowing this, this device needs these peripheral uh, capabilities is key to to our services and how we are hospital operators at, at the core. And so leveraging technology also, you know, knowing knowing how hospitals are operating, leveraging technologies and the securities associated with those technologies is is fundamental. And it's a bar that we won't go over or like we we won't uh, deal with. So basically it's a bar that we're set and we'll set those standards and we'll never go below them. Thanks for that add-on, Hank. Yeah, it really sounds like, you know, it's fundamental to your point that as hospital operators, you know what physicians are really desiring and needing in the care continuum and and their very high value of being proactive and driving efficiencies. So um, thanks for sharing that. And I want to kind of keep going on this point of cybersecurity because this really is such a salient issue right now in healthcare. I, I think in our own coverage at Becker's, I'm reading almost every day about new cyber attacks or how they're rising um, compared to this point last year. So I was wondering, John, if you could kind of speak to what are the most important facets of a readiness program for cyber attacks and how can Tempo aid in those efforts to help hospitals and health systems prevent them from happening in the first place? Yeah, that's a great question, Erica. And, and it's actually uh, it's one that I'm I'm pretty passionate about. Um, you know, from a security perspective, I, I think the 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 issue that we often see or the flaw that we see is people assume uh, organizations may assume that well, I bought a couple of security tools, isn't that supposed to be it? But the reality is, a, a, a true security program, a readiness program, um, is people. It is process and it is technology. It's all three. You know, the old the old standard we always talk about. And from a perspective of looking at security in an organization, you have to be thinking in terms of what they, the phrase you'll hear often is defense in depth, right? There has to be, there has to be defensive points um, from the outer perimeter all the way in. And then each one of those steps along the way, there are probably different tools and there are different processes that you need in place to, to make sure that you're monitoring the data, you're monitoring who's trying to enter your network, 
and ultimately that you're protecting the most important information itself the strongest. Um, so we we like to go in and, and use uh, really data classification as a, a good example of that. You know, not all data, it, not all data is the same, right? Some data is really, really important. Some data can really get you in trouble. Some data, it's not great if you lose it, but it's not quite the same. And so every organization really needs to go through a data classification process of understanding what is the most important data, where does it sit, and what are the protections in place to make sure it can't leave? On top of that, it's not only the protections of stopping people getting there, it's the protections of stopping people from taking it out and taking it away from you or data loss prevention. So you have to have a, um, a whole strategy around data loss. And, and all of that comes with, frankly, people. Um, it's not something that you can just automate and put a tool in and expect a few uh, reports or a few alerts to to protect you. Uh, there really is a process of putting in the right people uh, in place to protect it. And with that, what I would say is it it is expensive, right? And we're to your point. This year, the number of cyber attacks in the healthcare space has gone up monumentally. And I don't know that that's going to change just because of the value of the data that people are after. But I can tell you that not doing something will cost you way more than it would ever cost you to, to actually do something to protect yourself. So from Tempo's perspective, while we're not a SOC, you know, we're not going to run your security operations center. We, we do security assessments. Uh, we can help you with your security risk assessments that are required to be done annually. Uh, we can help you with policies and procedures. We can help you put in the right tools and put the processes in place to, to adequately protect your organization. Yeah, thanks so much, John. Really appreciate the way that you outlined that. Definitely took away that data classification and having a strategy around data loss um, might be expensive, but well worth the investment considering the repercussions. Exactly. Um, and I did want to take that a little bit further too, because I know when a detrimental incident such as a cyber attack or a data breach occurs, there's, I mean, it can be upwards of you know, millions of dollars for a hospital or health system, money that they certainly don't have right now. So I just wanted to know if you could say a little bit about um, the importance of managed services as part of a hospital's business continuity, you know, including before, during, and after an incident like this. Sure. Yeah. So um, the, the old adage, it's not if, it's when, right, is is a horrible thing to ever say. And it's something that no one ever hopes to happen. But I but I can say uh, through many years of experience and even through hospitals that I'm aware of, even in recent times, um, where they had a lot of the right tools in place, they may not have had all the right processes in place. But one of the things they never thought about was the actual recovery from an incident. And uh, a, a, sim a simplistic example of that is if your backups that you rely on to bring you back up and bring you back into operation um, are in the same world as the thing that got encrypted or hacked in the first place, it's likely that that backup is no good either. And I have in multiple occasions in the not so distant past here, talked with hospitals where that's exactly happened. Um, you know, just happened to reach out to us after an incident to, to talk to us. And in those cases, uh, the backups weren't any good. And 
they didn't do some of the fundamentals around uh, what we call air gapping of your backups and things like that. So the recovery took even longer. And so I think as you talk about why is it important to have a managed service, it it often it often falls to hospitals that they they go through this kind of a modified build versus buy mentality over the years. And they often swing towards, I can build it, I can do it myself. Unfortunately, in that case, whatever they do build gets stale, um, or they may not have the level of expertise in the background to bring other views to what they're doing. And, and at some point then they have an issue and they do end up having to come look at a managed service. Where a managed service really helps you is it allows you to rely on an organization that is in a bunch of organizations. So a lot different view, uh, a lot of different viewpoints and a lot of different um, backgrounds and skills and talents uh, that they can bring to the table that any one organization might not be able to do on their own. So, so I think in many cases, you know, as you talk about why is managed service important part of that continuity, um, you have to be thinking in terms of when it happens, am I prepared to recover? And do I even have the people I need to make that happen? Um, and oftentimes a managed service just makes a lot more sense. I also think a managed service brings in, uh, uh, where deep, uh, brings in planning. So, so it's often too late to be reactive to these disasters. You have to be uh, forthcoming in the planning. And that's where a managed service says, have you thought about this? Have you thought about what happens if, if this occurs? And that's, it's all in the planning. If you're, you know, you can't, you can't uh, handle these disasters as they're occurring. You have to plan for them and, and have people that know what they're doing prior to it happening, while it's happening, and how to recover from it. Yeah, thank you both. I can definitely see the need here for more than just those internal resources. Um, and as we're winding down, I just wanted to be sure that I asked one final question. Um, John, I know Tempo has expertise in procurement and management IT. And so to, the, to our points that we've brought up several times here about efficiency, how does Tempo's expertise in those realms really help to improve efficiency and effectiveness of hospital operations? Well, great question. Thank you for asking that one. So, so specifically around that space, um, one of our, one of our sweet spots uh, over the years has been uh, the ability to um, procure and then deploy at a large, large scale of hardware uh, and other technologies in a, in a, in a system. Uh, so for example, uh, a large system that went through a very large hardware refresh, able to not only get that equipment and get it at a price that was better because of our buying power and our scale, uh, get it at a better price, able to stage it, image it, and get it deployed uh, in a in a speed that most organizations can't do, uh, simply because they can't adapt that quickly, especially when you talk about it doing internally. Um, you know, as you can imagine. It, it seems simple, we just put some more computers out there. Uh, there's quite a bit of work that goes into that. And uh, we have the ability to stand up uh, localized depots to hold the hardware, to get it imaged, to get it ready to deploy and get it on the ground. And so as you talk about being strategic to remain viable, there are this just ongoing work that needs to happen uh, each year. And it really is difficult when you're trying to keep the lights on and manage everything else that's happening in a hospital 
to then take on a, a really large scale project like that. And so I think one of the things that makes us stand out is our ability to go in and do that quickly, deploy that and do it competitively. And what's interesting, I think about us versus a lot of organizations is all of the folks that work in our organization know how to work in a hospital. Um, so we're, we're truly an operator mindset. We're not, uh, you know, we don't just hire anybody. Uh, we want people that have experience in hospitals. Um, we get technicians that we train to know specifically how to operate in a hospital, where they can go, where they can't go. And I think that really makes us different. And then finally, what I would say is just because of our scale, uh, we're able to negotiate on pricing, um, which, which I think ultimately comes back to the bottom line of that organization and comes back to your original question around cost pressures. Uh, we're able to bring things that any organization on their own probably could not get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks, John. You touched on a lot of important points there about being able to do this at scale quickly, competitively, and, and to have that hospital know-how, um, definitely valuable. And so just to close this out, I, I want to thank you both again so much for this discussion today. I think this has been really insightful, and I know our listeners have a lot to take away here. Um, but John, Hank, is there anything else that you think our listeners should know about Tempo's plans to, you know, continue securing and strengthening hospitals and health systems? Um, well, Erica, thank you again for having us. I, I do have just one last thought. I know Hank probably does as well. Um, you know, I, as we've really branched out into Tempo as part of Ovation, I think, you know, what I what I would reiterate is this idea of an operator mindset. Um, we truly are unique in that space. There's there's no one else out there really that I believe is got the number of operators and the, the experience that we have on the ground. Um, but what I would say is where we really, I think, excel is being a partner. Uh, we We tend not to view ourselves as a vendor or somebody like that. We really want to come in and help make sure what's right for you uh, as an organization. And ultimately, back to our original goal as Ovation as a company, is to make sure that we're strengthening independent health systems and allowing them to stay independent. Uh, we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to allow that organization uh, in the community, stay there, be an important part of that community, and, and do it in a way that protects them just like any large organization would want to protect themselves as well. So uh, we, we never lose sight of that. Ultimately, it's about it's about the hospital. Yeah, just to echo on what John's saying, healthcare IT is a, you know, is a specialized field that demands, I think, a deep understanding of the healthcare operations and information technology. And that is exactly what the Tempo services provide. Uh, and we, you know, we provide, a, you know, services that are ran by a group of hospital operators with expertise in leveraging technology to secure and strengthen, uh, strengthen health systems and patients they care for. Really, that's what it really boils down to. Uh, thank you, Erica. Oh, so well said. Thank you so much, Hank and John. Really appreciate you taking the time for a great discussion today. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'd also like to thank Ovation Healthcare for sponsoring this episode today. You can tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page at beckershospitalreview.com.